quench. Mother's baby, got to get inside me, quench. Mother's spot, that's what I'm earning, burning, yearning for my love, huh? Special edition today, we are featuring my sister, Dawn Kramer, on trumpet. Quench! Mother's baby, got to get me quick inside me. Quench! My life's spot, that's what I'm earning, burning, yearning for my love, huh? That's what I'm talking about, these times, we're quick to put out the fire. And I'm throwing in a trench, cause I got to get a trench, just quench! Cause I gotta get dressed just Welcome Don, thanks for being here Yeah, my pleasure And uh, this is perfect opportunity Cause it's actually my birthday today July 30th So it's a fun <laughs> little family event And um, our tonic of the day Is a watermelon margarita Don is a special mixologist I don't know if I'd say that, but I do laugh. Here we go. Cheers. Happy birthday. It seems to roll around every year or so. Okay, so what is in a watermelon margarita? We kind of got the idea from our aunt Nancy up in Steamboat. Uh, we were up there visiting her one time, and so she had she made them. But so basically, it's just making a puree out of watermelon. I froze it first, um, but then I had to let it. It wouldn't quite blend down, <laughs> so I actually had to um, let them thaw a little bit. So it's really just like a watermelon puree and tequila and a little bit of lime juice. And then I did add a little bit of simple syrup. Kind of depends on the sweetness of the, the watermelon. And the simple syrup is kind of fun. Um, it's just 
one-to-one sugar and water. You melt it, you kind of boil it down and then simmer it just so those sugar melts. Um, but at that point you could do a bunch of different, uh, infusions. So sometimes I've done basil, you put a bunch of fresh basil in it and let it steep in that, or you could do mint or ginger. That's where you can like add extra little flavors. So I might, I need to do that because I have more watermelon juice. So maybe like a nice, uh, mint watermelon margaritas in store for next. It's I like to include recipes uh, on Sonic Tonic so that people can actually move in a new direction, hopefully, and learn some things. So, yeah, uh, we'll make sure and uh, list that so people can try this at home because it's really awesome. In fact, let's enjoy it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, super summary. It is. It's awesome. Um while we're enjoying this, let's hear a little bit of the salsa section of this song that we're both playing on. It's a song I wrote many years ago called Quench. Here it is. on the track welcome everybody once again i'm darren kramer this is don kramer my sister we've been both musicians our whole life and as you're going to find out don's very passionate about food and drink uh she has her own recipes and business for a vegetarian and vegan bakery and she's just always cooking something awesome and uh, so she puts a lot of time and energy into that and it's just one of her raw passions so we're going to get to that later this has been a interesting time of this transition, which has kind of spawned this show of how to 
um, you know, kind of take life as it comes and notice what you love and kind of analyze why you love it and then do more of that and share it with the world. So um, why don't you tell the viewers a little bit about what kind of life you've led as a freelance trumpet player? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I went to, um, like Darren said, we started early. I was like in fifth grade and then went to college for music. I went to University of Colorado, got a music performance degree. And um, from that point, I just pretty much started freelancing from then. But when I was in college, I think that my focus was thinking that I was going to be an orchestral player or more classical or something like that. Um, as I got through college, though, I was like, I just wanted more variety. And I learned how incredibly difficult it is to just land a one, one gig, you know, like the orchestra stuff is, is nuts, like so much competition. And I didn't, yeah, I don't know that I had that big of a drive for that style of music to make that my huge passion. So I just kind of decided I like playing a bunch of different things. So I did, I was doing jazz at the time in college. Um, and then salsa came soon after that. And you kind of introduced me to that, Darren, um, with Conjunta Coloris. You've been playing with them forever in town. And then uh, you had gone to Vegas and was playing with the salsa band out there. And so he, he got me on a gig out there. and. It was that kind of just spurred the whole uh, variety of music that I think keeps me happy <laughs> and um, and actually keeps me employed, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> a little of this, a little of that, right? Yeah. Um, if I had to focus all on classical or all on jazz or something, I don't, I wouldn't be working that much, I don't think. You know, I mean, I'd be doing okay probably, but it's really, it's turned out great. And a, a lot of it is I do some of the shows at the Buell, um, which is a style, a variety of styles involved for that too, which that's kind of, it just was a default of like, oh, that actually works out well, knowing a bunch of different styles. For yeah, that. A, lot, a lot of people might not know what the Buell is. It's the, the main theater in downtown Denver where they bring in all, you know, national touring shows. And so one of the big ones you did was the uh, premiere launching of, Frozen. Yes. Right? Yeah. That was which goes along with our margarita theme. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was three years ago. They that's actually happened a few times in Denver, um, which speaks pretty highly of the musicianship here. Is um, they start they start tours here, so they come here, they practice all the actors from New York and everything, and then they're kind of just housed here for a month or whatever, doing rehearsals. Then we usually do anywhere from five to seven weeks or so of an opening where they're tweaking it and then it goes to Broadway um, or on tour or something. So uh, yeah, that was one of the highlights doing Frozen. It was so, it's just a whole notch above any other kind of gig in terms of professionalism that I have been a part of. And, and yeah, Darren and I are, you're so much the same like that in that, it makes such a huge difference. If, if you just go and you get to just play your instrument and everyone else is kind of taking care of their thing and they're all at the top of their game in terms of writing music and orchestration and conducting um, all the crew people, everything was just so dialed in. And that was at the start of a show, which I think is amazing that it can come off that well. So And that's, that's uh, that goes right along with Sonic Tonic Experience, the, the concept that all the ingredients matter. And if you have more quality per ingredient, the end product really by default is better. Yes. So you're saying not only the charts are organized, 
Um, there, so there's not typos on them. There's not mistakes. The voicings are awesome. And then you're sitting next to these other players who are uh, total professionals and, and know how to read music, know how to interpret it, know how to play together. You have a great conductor. You have a great play-along track if you have any of those. The dancers, um, just the people that greet you when you show up. You know, we as musicians, we always have to come in the back door, right? It's <laughs> like... Um, but they point you this way and say, here, go here, and they offer you some water. I mean, all of that matters, and um, it's so neat to, to experience that. And, I'm, and we were just talking about this this week, uh, um, where I listened to the podcast of Tim Ferriss with Hugh Jackman as the guest. And yes. I listened to that because of your recommendation and glowing review of how uh, beautiful of a human being Hugh Jackman is so why was that experience also one of your top ones that yeah I couldn't like I've I've done I don't know a handful of like those big shows that one was at the Pepsi Center um I've done a couple at Red Rocks with big names um but he was by far the most gracious and that we actually just passed the one year anniversary of that I think it was like July 10th or something maybe um he, he came and met, he was at the rehearsal, first of all, the sound check that we're all supposed to be at, he was there for the entire thing, which is also completely unusual. <laughs> um, but he came up after the rehearsal, we're all kind of packing up our stuff, to every individual, shook our hands, got our name, and said hello, and like a little bit of chit-chat with everybody. And it was like, a, there were probably 12 or 15 of us, local people. Um, it's just unusual. And it's like, that's, it's, you know, and for some people may think, well, that's not that big of a deal, but it is when you put it in context with, he's doing one nighters all over the country. And every time he goes to it, you know, that that's what he's doing. And it was fun on Facebook, actually seeing some friends across the country. Um, we're all like saying, and before I even had done it, they're like, Oh my gosh, this is one of the best shows, one of the best experiences. And so I was excited to do it. And then sure enough, like, there he is, just super awesome, and the music was fun. Um, he brought his own rhythm section. They were incredible. Just the whole production was so good, and he was so personable. And w- one little quick note that, yeah, Don has played with lots of different, a variety of artists and worked at Disney for a summer and done cruise ships. And um, one thing, it was supposed to be also right at the Pepsi Center. Here, here's how the music business works. You were supposed to also play with The Who. Yes. It was scheduled for October, I think. It was way back, like October 30th, maybe, something like that. Um, and it got canceled because I can't remember which one of them. I think it was Roger Daltrey, right? Wasn't I, it his voice? So um, we actually got that show. I, I think they canceled like three or four shows in a row. And unfortunately, Denver was one of them. Um, which again, the, the beauty of professionalism and things that are that big we got paid in full. I mean, we, you know, it got canceled, I think five days before the show. And so, you know, that's, we were scheduled to do it all day and we got paid in full, which is huge, but disappointing because we were, I was super looking forward to that. Um, so they got rescheduled. And so unfortunately then when I got rescheduled, I was going to be out of town in San Francisco for a gig with Montalto. And uh, so I wasn't able to do that one. But as it turns out, <laughs> that one got canceled. My gig to San Francisco got canceled. That was all in May. And so not, it never happened again. So I don't know if it's going to maybe get rescheduled again, and hopefully I get to do it this time. But um, 
Yeah. Now, I, I was speaking with Brian Knott, and he said that it, it got, you know, officially canceled again because of the, uh, this whole COVID thing. Uh, yeah. So it's funny, a double whammy, uh, you don't get to do it. Um, so it's that thing. Some things are great, and then some things fall through, and you got to just keep plugging away. Yeah. Um, so uh, we like to mix and match talking and music in here. So um, Don and I recorded this funky tune of mine. And um, for those of you that might not be aware, I'm, I do a lot of stuff with Ableton Live recording program, but it's also built for live performance. And I've always been excited about putting effects on my trombone. Um, so I thought it'd be fun if I did some of that to Don's trumpet. So um, check out a little of this, and then we're going to talk about it. That was Intangible Attraction, a song from my second CD, and I did a remix with the DKO Electro Horns, of which Don's a part. And um, if you're kind of going, wait, that doesn't sound like a trumpet. Um, I was putting this sort of wah-wah effect on it, and um, I'm a big fan of the Brecker brothers, Randy and Michael Brecker, from back in the 70s, and, and they were sort of them and Miles Davis were kind of these ones that were pushing the envelope and doing some more electric jazz. I've always found that sound very cool, so it was fun to um, sort of introduce that here uh, to Don's playing. And so how was that? It, what, what was that experience like? Yeah, it's because um, I haven't done much of that with you even because um, I, I, your whole setup, I don't have any of that stuff to practice with it. So it is kind of interesting. And I was just playing and then you were doing the effects to it. So it is kind of like I'm giving control to you. Usually get that with your brother. <laughs> control. No, that's bad. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, super fun. Cause it really just adds a whole other element. Um, this is, so this is kind of off topic, but not really. I think the thing that you like about doing that stuff and kind of the electronic stuff is just that it's not repeating what has happened up until this point with even the same song or whatever. So you're doing it to songs that you've actually already recorded with just real horns. Um, and now you're actually adding little snippets into it. I, um, I call I those ear candy, little uh, ear candy. Okay. No, let's not, let's not, let's come up with a different name. <laughs> Um, but I was watching this. This is actually interesting because I watched this movie last night called, I think it was from 2014, A Hundred Year Journey. No, not A Hundred Year, Hundred Foot Journey. And it's about an Indian family who moves to France 
and starts a restaurant and they're living across the street from a French restaurant. And so they're kind of in odds with each other, but so it's a hundred feet away from each other and they're, but they end up being friends. The whole point being, um, he was really an incredible Indian cook. And so then he wanted to start learning French cuisine and then he added these little extra things. Like he started doing spices with cardamom and, but doing like, you know, the typical thing, I think it was beef bourguignon. And so then they, he, but he added like an extra little Indian spice that was unusual. And so somebody said, why would you do that? It's like 200 years of tradition that you're messing with. And he's just like, I think 200 years has been long enough. <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting because it's like, what's, I mean, I get the point of knowing, knowing where things came from and the tradition of things. But then I think it's interesting to kind of give your own edge to it. And so that's what I think is interesting about your music is that you're, it's not like it's just coming out of nowhere. It's all steeped in tradition still, but then you're adding an extra little element to it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's nice to hear. Cause actually I, I do think about that and um, that is sort of the intent because I'm, I'm a jazz musician at heart and then I, I write a lot of music and produce it, but then, you know, you kind of want to do the next thing. And, you know, one of my heroes too, is I, I know you're, you're, you've listened to a lot of Miles Davis and he was that, it was like real inside jazz and then kind of got more adventurous and then real adventurous and then started doing the jazz fusion and then by the end, he's playing Michael Jackson and uh, Cindy Lauper covers, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, the, and they'd ask him, you know, but he'd already done those other things. So, you know, uh-huh. I mean, we have one life. Let's um, move forward and try to put your own stamp on it. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, so let's, let's listen to a little piece of this. Um, you're kind of known, everyone who's played with you um, in Colorado and beyond, always admires your great trumpet sound and then one thing that you always also play is a flugelhorn which is the larger bore trumpet big trumpet and um so uh, here's here's don playing a little bit on this song of mine called endless tears fun for us to play together in unison and just try to blend where you can't hear you can't decipher 
Is it trumpet? Is it flugelhorn? Who's playing? That's the goal, yeah. right? I mean. Yeah, that's what's an interesting, I love playing flugelhorn. That's one of my favorites. Some people actually don't like playing it and I don't understand that really. Other than, I mean, it's quite different than trumpet. Um, but it's, yeah, it blends so well. It blends really great with trombone. It blends well with French horn. Um, I play in a group called the Boulder Brass in town and uh, Mike Allen has done a ton of arrangements for an 11 piece brass group. And it's that, I, it's generally, it's four trumpets, but it's, you know, kind of high trumpets. There's like piccolo on some stuff, D trumpet, E flat trumpet, B flat trumpet. And then usually the fourth chair is flugelhorn. And that's usually my chair, which is great. And so, um, cause then I'm sitting next to the two French horns. So it kind of blends in with them. I'm playing a lot of stuff with the bones. Um, it's and like, yeah, that's like very similar to, that's funny. You said 11 piece. I didn't really realize that that's what Boulder Brass was. Cause then our good friend, Will Swindler has a group 11 net who I just featured earlier this month on Sonic Tonic and he, he featured a brand new song that we all piecemealed together with our videos from home. Um, called Mechanisms. And um, that's all about blending, right? And it's all in the style of Miles Davis' um, Gil Evans, right? This real French horn, flugel, trumpet, mutes, um, bass clarinet, flute. I mean, it's a really neat um, thing to play those kind of different things compared to, say, the song we first started out with today. You know, that's the cool thing about music. It's like you get the... And drinks are the same way. I, I feel like a beer today. Now I just want iced tea. Now I want water. Then yes. you want some really rich espresso coffee. You know, um, it gets really, um, the, you know, there's a lot of variety in the spice of life. Yeah. And it's been funny um, during this time period because there's just, there's a lot of reasons to kind of um, look for something to do. <laughs> so like sometimes I'm actually just kind of on a process of, oh, I want to look up these photos from stolen, you know, from three years ago or whatever. And then I come across videos and then I come across music and it's, it's bringing all of these. I'm really kind of listening to a variety of stuff more than I have in the past year, probably just because it's, you have time to do it. And then it's just like, Oh yeah, I kind of forgot about this style of music or this style of music. And so then you kind of delve into it for a few days and then you move into something else and it's, that's fun, you know, instead of just listening to the same stuff all the time. That's, drinking. that's so right. Yeah, why do you take a chance, you know? And then if you don't like it, you can always go back to your old ways. That's another thing, too, you know? Um, so the final mention of the, this music side of it is talk about variety. Now, tell them a little bit about this silent movie project you've been part of for over a decade. Yeah, it's... What is it? It's like maybe 14 years or something, which is one of my longest running gigs. <laughs> and one of the most odd. Um, it's called the Mont Alto Motion Picture Orchestra. Um, and Rodney Sauer is a pianist in that lives in Louisville, Colorado. Um, not Louisville, Louisville, Colorado. Um, and he, <laughs> he started this group I think 20 some years ago. And so it's him and the clarinet player, Brian Collins is they're the two founding members of it. Um, it's just a quintet. So it's uh, violin, cello. Yes, quintet five. Uh, violin, cello, clarinet, <laughs> and piano. 
And so speak of weird, like I, the thing, oh, I was gonna say that about the 11 that too, that's so interesting. It's like when you have a bigger group like that um, and with the Boulder Brass, you have an opportunity to have different instrumentation in there that kind of, yeah, bridges that gap of like, it seems like there's a little bit of a hole even that a, you know, a third trumpet player can't do or something. So it's like that's flugelhorn or whatever. Um, the weird instrumentation with this, it seems super weird. One brass instrument with Montalto, um, one woodwind, two string players, and then piano. Um, oddly, it works great. And so we play the real, authentic, original music from that time period, which is 19 teens and 1920s for all the silent movies back then. Um, and there was just this huge library and Rodney somehow got into it, you know, like 25 years ago or something and started collecting this music. And so we play, it's it's usually written for big orchestras because uh, there used to be these, they, like in LA, the big orchestras would be playing the silent movies in theaters. Like that was their gig. So they would play like two or three movies a week. It was different music. They got to put their own score together, but it would be like a 75 piece orchestra doing it. Some places, most often it was just a pianist and he was doing a lot of improvising. Um, but a lot of times it was three to four to five people. And so we're playing the original stuff, but then we're like just playing a bunch of cues. So I'm playing horn cues and bassoon cues and then all the trumpet stuff. Um, clarinets playing flute cues sometimes, violins playing flute cues, so then it all kind of like, it fills in the gaps of like, if there's a hole or who has the melody or whatever. Yeah, um, it's very uh, dense, right? There's a lot of, it's a high level group of musicians because the music is demanding it. And um, so I want to hear you say a few more things about it, but let's just play a little clip here so people can refresh their it'll sound it'll definitely jog your memory because this is kind of this old school thing but when you get inside it it's really beautiful music and the movies are quite good here's a little clip just a clip from Mothers of Men, an old silent movie being performed by the Montalto Motion Picture Orchestra. My name is Darren Kramer. This is Sonic Tonic Experience, and our guest this week is my sister Dawn Kramer, professional trumpet player. She's the trumpet uh, that you heard in that uh, music there, and um, this is just a very unique gig that she's been playing for 14 years. And so tell us a little bit about not necessarily the music, but these unique cast of characters <laughs> <laughs> yes it's um yeah i'm fortunate to know a lot of crazy fun people <laughs> yeah tend to be that way but this group in particular really kind of takes the cake because it's not only some of the best music i mean the actual music that i'm playing is great but the musicians are so good and so at the top of their game when you know brit swenson is the violinist and it's I, it doesn't get much better than that if at all um she went to juilliard and she's fortunately she landed here in colorado so she's one of my very best friends and just a great violinist and great person 
Um, but she is also a comedian. <laughs> so she does a one, she has one women shows. She actually did stand up for a while. She was part of the Groundlings in LA. Um, she's had quite a variety of experiences as well, but she's one of the funniest and strangest <laughs> people. And anyone that knows her knows exactly what I'm talking about. She speaks with all these different accents. And so when, we, when we're rehearsing, we'll go from like just beautiful music and then we stop playing and then all of a sudden it's just chaos like you know everyone's laughing she's doing something crazy and then Rodney is also the, one of the wittiest and most intelligent people I've ever met so he always has something funny to say and it's just it's a, it's unlike any other rehearsal situation that you can imagine because it's it's professional <laughs> but it's not like rigid you know it's like we get our stuff done but then it's like we actually we always take a break um during our rehearsals like halfway through and somebody brings a snack that's one of the big things is like and i like to bake rodney likes to bake uh actually all of us i think brian isn't as big of a baker but he always brings something too and so we have a snack and like just sit around and chat and maybe talk about an upcoming gig but it's a lot of silliness and and great music and so it's like pretty much every time i walk away from that situation i'm just excited and happy yeah and i can attest to that because i've been fortunate to be invited to play trombone on some of these special <laughs> movies that they needed more crazy sounds and uh stuff than the trombone <laughs> gives it that um so uh yeah i sometimes i know that don and me have been crying <laughs> from laughter and cannot play we're supposed to be playing in the rehearsal but we're just <laughs> dying laughing um anyway that's what i think life and music is all about um yes. and so what well, let's play a little clip of this um really cool segment of a movie what was the movie called uh why be good why be good yes and there's a little lighter thing there's some jazz stuff in it um so rodney invited me to be part of it and we did several shows including at the telluride film festival um which happened a couple of years ago uh montalta goes there every other year and they've done all these great things for tcm and uh, in new york city at lincoln center and um, so go check out montalto they're a serious entity um but this this little segment here that we're going to end the music with was um called sweet adeline and they it's a scene where there's two guys and they're drunk and they're talking but then we're playing our tr trumpet and trombone with um plunger mutes and it lets it kind of uh ensue to this hilarious thing and the laughing you hear is the actual audience at one of the performances so um check this out
that stuff is fun. Uh, thank you, Rodney, for inviting me to be part of it. <laughs> and, um, um, I always have loved the plunger thing, and so then we, I just wrote a tune about um, for the Fat Tuesday kind of celebration that happens every year in New Orleans, and um, Don and I just went down there with some of our family and my girlfriend and stuff and um, for the Jazz Education Network conference that happened and uh, sort of inspired me to write a little ditty in the New Orleans second, you know, kind of street beat sort of thing. So here's Don and I playing some trumpet over modern electro-funk New Orleans-y music. This is called Fat Tuesday. Check, check. No love, Mardi Gras, I can't help but party y'all, laissez-faire, throw up your hands in the air, dance and romance, love at first glance, this is your last chance, ribbon to South France, culture, fine cuisine, MC pause, electro horns be the team, we celebrate, elevate, never ever hesitate, open in your soul, DJ to the O. Fat Tuesday. You can check all that stuff out on Electro Horns, my new group featuring four live brass players with my Ableton rig. It's really exciting, fun stuff. Um, but um, so happy Dawn's here with us today, sharing her insight on being a freelance trumpet player. And um, just know she's available. It's been a strange time this this year uh, with gigs, but uh, there's been some live stuff st happening now around Colorado and. Um, Dawn's available for gigs. She plays many styles, jazz, classical, Latin, and um, she teaches lessons. Don, why don't you tell them what you, probably your number one love and hobby is? Ooh, well, it's kind of a split thing. I would say it's animals and cooking. So together that kind of creates vegetarian and vegan stuff wait that, no cooking animals is not <laughs> vegan. animals <laughs> yeah. I have been, um so i've been vegetarian about 10 years now um and it just it just connected with me all of a sudden like how much in love i am with dogs obviously um and cats and pets in general but then like when i would see a baby cow it just like kills me and so i'm just like how you know for me i just I, I just had to put it together and stop doing that um, and contributing to the inhumane treatment of animals and that kind of thing. So um, it just led me down this whole other path, which has been super fun of cooking and baking. I mean, I was cooking and baking before, but the baking thing I thought was going to suffer from not using any animal products at all. So that means no eggs, no butter, no milk. Um, and I just discovered that it's absolutely not a necessity. Um, in fact, I would say a lot of the stuff that I make now is better than the version I was making before of uh, with all that stuff. So um, 
yeah, it's been such an interesting learning experience, just um, trying to figure that out, like learning about the science of it. Um, you know, what, what does an egg actually do in baking? And so what can you substitute for it? Um, and, you know, I mean, it's better for everybody. It's better for the planet. It's better for the animals, obviously. It's better for you. Um, it has no cholesterol then. So that's the, the basic, I'm still using sugar. So it's not like I'm, I'm not, and I'm using fat, you know, there's, you still use oil and stuff like that. So, um, that's, what's going to make it good, but it's not, it's not detrimental to the planet or animals or your body necessarily. So, and so what, what are a couple of your, um, what are your top three or four things you love to cook? Um, uh, well, in terms of baking, I would say my, my number one discovery that I like the best is a chocolate chip cookie, which that seems super boring and there's a million recipes for them out there. Um, but I'm willing to go against any chocolate chip cookie out there <laughs> with my recipe and I can call it my recipe. I, de I developed it kind of from a couple other things, but, um, that one and my, cinnamon roll recipe I can call my own um cupcake I have a really good chocolate cupcake recipe I that one is like somebody else's but um so yeah it's just uh yeah it's fun and I I like to eat <laughs> and and I can personally attest to I've gone through this whole um I'm a guinea pig through a lot of this True. and um and it's been years right um and it's always so good and one thing that's interesting i'm not vegetarian and i love desserts too and i'm kind of that mentality though if it isn't great why do it once it gets past here <laughs> there's no benefit it's all negative so um i have decent control that way so i can just set it down and go that that ain't it um and there's so many mediocre desserts in the world and it's just amazing that everything you make is like a nine or a ten. Uh -huh. so, so how how do you do that? Um, well, thank you. I actually would disagree with that. What's funny about you, Darren, and um, is that I have made. I in fact, it just happened a couple of weeks ago. I made a recipe. I wanted to kind of see if I could do an easier recipe of my, of a chocolate chip cookie, um, and it was fine. But it like it was not. It was not good. <laughs> it wasn't the same quality at all. Um, and so they got left as rejects just sitting on the counter. And then I went up to the mountains. Um, but then Darren brings up to me that he's been eating them this whole time. And so he still liked them, even though they were very, like, I mean, they had their issues. They still were tasty. But um, so that's very kind of you to say, because I think that there's like some, there's definitely some stuff that is like a lower on the list and, that have been failures. Um, but that being said, I know now, like after, like, I love looking at cookbooks and reading recipes and um, just comparing um, ingredients and amounts of stuff. And so I kind of know what works and what doesn't. And so even if I'm doing a new recipe, I kind of think, oh, but that actually says that I'm going to tweak it. Even with baking, people say baking is such a science and it is, but I, I'm not meticulous about measuring stuff. I do fine with it, but um, it's more of just a feel thing and it's, it's comes with time. Like I, you know, it's like we watched our grandma cook. She made the best chocolate cake ever um, and chocolate pie and she never measured anything. So, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just kind of, 
it comes with time. You just learn. It's like anything, you know, the just more do you do it. it yeah. And one thing I, I like that you mentioned, though, is that you, you, and I think a lot of people who have had your chocolate chip cookies, which, by the way, you can buy these from Dawn with her bake shop called Sherelle's Bake Shop, um, but that you were trying to find maybe a better taste, a better way, and a faster, easier way to make them, and then it's, you're, you're saying is kind of a failure, but really... It's it's so cool to when when someone already has something pretty good and then you reach outside of that because there could still be a better way. And, yeah. Uh, you know that takes guts and a little experimentation, but then really you learn a lot from it. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and then cooking. I mean, I also just love to cook, also, and that is way more just you taste as you go and you kind of throw stuff in and. Um, that's, that's pretty fun because you don't have to wait until the end result. Like with baking, you have to wait until it comes out of the oven to really know if it was a success or not. Um, with cooking, you can tweak it along the way. It's kind of like that with drinks too, which is fun. Um, it's like, you know, sometimes I'll taste it and it really does depend on the fresh ingredients. So like with this watermelon, if it wouldn't, you know, I had to add a little extra. Sometimes the watermelon is super sweet. And so you just taste it and then you adjust, which is fun. That's that's a good metaphor for life. Um, and so if people are out there and going, man, there's just, I've thought about it, and I know a few vegetarians, um, but I just can't do it, um, and they're eating meat five days a week, what, what is like one step that you think that would help them take this, you know, kind of open this door for them? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, there are so many good products out there now I like again I've been doing this for like 10 years or so but and when I first started I was kind of anti any of the fake meats you know um, because they're they a they weren't good um, but now I don't know if anyone has tried an impossible burger those are at Burger King now um, and then beyond meat burgers are at Carl's Jr. and I think they maybe are at tacos at uh, Del Taco and stuff like that um, anyway please give it a try because that to me, I mean, every time I, I've gotten it a few times, like the impossible burger. And every time I'm kind of checking it, like I double, like, cause I can't believe that it's not me. And again, I haven't had it for 10 years, but you have, and my dad like sometimes gets it. And I'm just like, why would you get anything else? So, um, it is and, great. I have yeah, to say, yeah, there's certain thing. And then like the beyond meat brats. So if you feel like you really want something super meaty, go for those like impossible beyond gardein all the frozen gardein stuff is killer um they have fish sticks and so like so those aren't super healthy i'm saying it's still processed it's not terrible though and there again there's no cholesterol um and it's you know high in protein it's still you're getting all of those good things with it and then and, it tastes and then the other thing that you you get the pre-made um meals from purple carrot Yes, purple carrot, and that is super fun. I used to be like kind of against that. There's like Blue Apron, and I don't know. There's several of those kind of meal meal planning things that they just come, and then you actually cook it, but they send all the ingredients. Um, I've learned so much, and just like the little extra things from purple carrot that make it absolutely like takes it another level up. And so you do a couple of those and then it's just like, oh, I can do that on my own. Then you do it a little bit cheaper, you know, getting your own ingredients and that stuff. But I would highly recommend that. That's if anyone likes to cook, try a purple carrot box and or 
I actually have a bunch of free ones that I can give. Um, if you're interested in getting a free purple carrot box, let me know and I can send you the email. So um, yeah, because I have like, I probably have five loaded up and I've done it with Darren and his girlfriend. Um, and so now they get them occasionally too. So yeah. And there's another two cents too. You grow some of your own herbs in your backyard, but um, there's also this other cool thing called the tower garden that you can buy from Juice Plus that is basically as high as me, six feet, and it has water running through it. There's no soil, and you literally put baby plants in it, and it the pump turns on every 15 minutes and waters them, um, and the food grows in three weeks. And you can yeah. be eating fresh greens right there inside. You can put it in your garage or in your house during the winter and have like fresh vegetables all the time. And when you're having that right from the source, there's no comparison to no like some really lame um you know uh, grocery store that picks this stuff when it's all barely ripe and by the time it gets there you know it hasn't had normal water or soil so um, yeah yeah it's something to check out a tower garden um, we were just at our friend Susie germany's the other day for her 50th birthday surprise well it wasn't a surprise she planned the party <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't know it was her birthday. <laughs> so, um, but she has an incredible garden. And so then it turned into this whole thing where she was giving all of her like herbs and her, she had tons of lettuce and I got this awesome um, onion, uh, white onion and a bunch of zucchini and stuff. And I just had a salad yesterday with her lettuce and it's just like fresh lettuce from the garden is unbeatable. And if, and spinach, like yeah. it's just, it doesn't need to be better than that. <laughs> so it's like, if you get that kind of thing, you're not going to miss yeah. others you know and it's like at this point there's so many alternatives so there is and it's all about quality over quantity which is what um is neat to analyze why you love something and then try to get more of that try to do more of that um okay so we're uh getting we gotta at least show a few photos um you've been a dog lover your whole life and we grew up on a farm and had horse and chickens and ducks and dogs and cats and um but you've had three very cute dogs so far, and um, just give us a little short thing on your first two, and then let's talk about your current dog. <laughs> um, yeah, my first one I got when I was in ninth grade. It was uh, my grandma. My grandma's neighbor had puppies. Well, my grandma's neighbor's dog had puppies, <laughs> and uh, the little runt was left, and so mom suggested we go get her, and so. Um, her name was Coquette. She was, uh, I don't know, when we got her, she was like the size of our hand. It was, she was super tiny. And at her biggest, she was like six pounds, just a little black kind of poodle mix of some sort, but just the best thing in the world. Like, yeah, she was great. Had her for almost 18 years. Um, so that was, that was a nice thing. Then I got Calvin, um, who I had for almost 14 years and he was a little Jack Russell um, I just lost him almost exactly a year ago. Yeah. Um, he was just, yeah, exactly what you would want out of a Jack Russell, like super smart, super funny personality. Um, just the best. He got me through a lot of times. <laughs> so I was like, he, he's hugely missed, but, um, yeah. So I did this kind of crazy thing. I'm usually a person who has to like kind of mull over something before I do it. Um, I had been, fostering puppies for about a year or so even when I had Calvin I was still I was fostering some puppies just because I had this 
inkling to hold some puppies. And so it's through the Colorado Puppy Rescue, which is a great organization if anyone's actually wanting to like save some animals but still really want a puppy this is a great way to do it um and if you just want to foster they're still they still need fosters too which seems crazy to me um you just got to play with a puppy for like three days and then they put them up for adoption and then it's just going to a good home and um so i've had maybe five batches of that like two or three puppies at a time and it's been awesome um but so after calvin died i got a group that was good then finally I got the next, like I got two puppies in October last year. And I don't know, something just kind of felt different. You know, I just thought, I think this is going to help me like get over Calvin, like, you know, and maybe it's time to adopt a dog. So I got little Oliver, which this is, I, I have this blanket here that I made for him. So there's his little cute name. And oh, then there yeah. was... <laughs> That's what he looked like. <laughs> and so he was just, it was the most ridiculous. He and his brother were like the cutest puppies in the entire world, like fluffy and sweet. And um, yeah, so oddly, that was like kind of a sort of spur of the moment decision, but it ultimately has just changed my life. And to have him through this whole COVID period has been great because like we go out on walks every day and um, he's hilarious. So. Yeah. He's laying here. Um, he's not being interesting at all, which is kind of odd. I don't know if we can see him. Oh, there we can see him. Hi, buddy. That's not Hi. a puppy. No, he's giant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look. Oh, hi, bud. Um, yeah, so he's almost, he's going to be 11, 11 months here in a couple days. So. And he, uh, you posted something on Facebook a couple of weeks ago of him howling with your trumpet playing as you're warming up. That's like a hilarious thing. And do you think he actually is annoyed or does he enjoy it? I think he enjoys it. Well, the thing that's funny is because Calvin, as soon as I even like acted like I was going to pick up my trumpet, he would split. So Calvin would hate it. <laughs> and I know he didn't like the trombone. For yeah, sure. no, he hated all of it. Like, so he would never even sit in the same room with me. Um, but Oliver, I'll sit with the door open and he chooses to sit in there with me and just, he makes noises and it's only when I'm warming up really, like it's doing long tones and slurs. Um, it does something to him. It's, it's very weird. And he, I think he actually kind of sings the pitches and the volume that I'm doing and it's crazy. But so just to be clear, you're not, um, no one should accuse you of animal abuse then. <laughs> <laughs> I think if anyone knows me, it's like these animals are about as lucky as, as they're luckier than most people in the universe. So. I I will second that. Um, there's a lot of people that spoil their animals, and uh, yes. you, and you're one of them. I am one of them. Um, and it's funny you mentioned about the the through the quarantine. How interesting, because yeah, my girlfriend Julie then got her little kitten, who cutest. is one of the cutest animals you've ever seen, and his personality. His name's Milo. A little fluffy white kitten. I'll put the photo up here. I mean, it's it's a great way to spend your time, right? Yeah. With, with and a lot of times, <laughs> I think a lot of people think this around the world. Animals, in a lot of ways, are better than people. <laughs> yes. yes, and it, absolutely, because yeah, they're not uh, they're not contrary. I mean, Oliver has his own opinions about stuff for sure, but mostly he's just good company. Like he's with me. I've never had this with a dog. Like he's with me all the time. I yeah. get up and walk to another room. He comes with me. Um, 
yeah, he's just, he's, we're attached at the hip and it's like, it really has kind of changed. I don't know what this would have been like, you know, not having him or not having Calvin or whatever. Like and just feeling, yeah, it's just a good, re good, good reason to get up and be excited and laugh. And I smile at him like a thousand times a day, probably. So that's good. Yeah. So we're running out of time, but Don, thanks so much for taking the time and uh, sharing your yeah. time and talent with us because uh, this is very entertaining, but I, I'm always big of it to be inspiring and educational. And so thanks for some of this insight about the music and, and your love for baking and taking care of animals. Um, I hope people get a lot out of this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, Again, you can contact Don through her Facebook page, Don Kramer, and um, buy some of her cookies and baked goods, Sorrell's Bake Shop, and um, you won't be disappointed. I can guarantee it. Um, <laughs> we're going to end here with a tune called Not Far From Here that was kind of like a slow R&B ballad um, 15 years ago, and then I decided, man, I'm going to revisit that thing and make a dance remix out of it. And um, so then I wrote some new horn parts, and... Um, it really turned out nice, and so it, I, it came out earlier this year, and it's part of the DKO Electro Horns. And um, so we're going to end here with Don and I playing with that track, and um, sound really good. Thanks for playing, and thanks for being yeah. here. My pleasure. Thanks, Darren. Okay. Um, enjoy this, everyone. This is not far from here, the dance remix by Electro Horns. See you next time. <laughs>